0: That's the Shipibo translation for Hello Ayahuasca, I'm here tonight to continue with my process. I'm Gox and welcome to the Miyu Yubo podcast. Taken from the intro Shipibo translation, Mi Yubo means my process. This is a platform to capture real-life ayahuasca healing journeys documenting the highs and lows and sharing the lessons that arise at the unlikeliest of times and in the unlikeliest of places. My aim is to create a comprehensive library of experiences that will help people who are thinking of embarking on their own personal adventure or those who are already in it and looking for new perspectives to help them along their way. If you like the following episode, I'd love it if you clicked follow. And also, it would be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. None of the content within this podcast is intended to encourage the use of illegal substances. Anything discussed in the episodes are for information and educational purposes only, and all opinions expressed are that of the individual. None of the content should be taken as medical advice, and should not be used as a substitute to any psychotherapist, healer or shaman. Psychedelics should not be used by some individuals. Therefore, always consult a medical professional prior to proceeding with any experience. My guest for this episode is James W. Gesso, who is a psychedelic author and host of the podcast called Adventures Through the Mind. I first met James when he was visiting the UK and giving a talk about psilocybin at my local psychedelic society. Um, And... A later date, I discovered that he'd also had experiences with ayahuasca, so I reached out to him to invite him on. This episode has been in the pipeline for about a year, as James unfortunately suffered a head injury in a car accident near the beginning of 2022, and following a couple of attempts last year to record it, uh, we finally managed to make it happen this time. If you'd like to find out more about James's writings and podcasts, you can visit his website at ww.jameswjesso.com. Um another thing, so within his website he's written an essay specifically about uh his first ayahuasca experience. Um and I've put a link in the show notes uh, which would take you to that essay if you wanted to kind of delve deeper and find out some more information about that. So but yeah, um really grateful that James was keen to do this episode, especially given the number of times we tried to do it. Um So yeah, I really hope you enjoy this episode. First things first. So great to be able to connect with you again. Uh It's been, yeah, we last picked up in kind of September Uh mm-hmm. was our kind of second, second attempt. Unfortunately you were, you were stricken with the dreaded COVID.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I, uh, we, the first, the first time we were supposed to meet, I was just so, I, w- I was so deep in the first wave of the symptoms of my head injury mm. that uh, honestly, I, I, I was having a hard time holding sentences together. And I was gonna go for it, but you were like, "No, like take your rest. It's okay. <laughs> like you don't owe me anything." And I was like. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the next time, of course, something else came in, and the COVID. I think actually, I, I, I didn't know I had COVID. I said, I don't know. I'm just not really. I'm feeling off. I'm feeling a bit ill. We could give it a try, and then you're like, Nah, don't don't worry about it. Just just relax. Go. You know, take take your rest. And then the next day, I found out I yeah, had COVID.
0: Because you were adamant the last time that you were just like, "No, no, we didn't get a chance to do that before." I really wanted to show up. I'm feeling shit, but I really want to. I really want to do this, and I'm just like, "No, look, like, like, we, we can't do this." Especially given everything that you've been going through. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, and we just said we'd just pick up again in the new year. So. But just give me a just let me know at any point if you need a break or if you want to quit and we can either pick up another time or or not, as the case may be. But I'm really grateful for your for you showing up again and trying again. So and wanting to do this, yeah, it it means a lot that you want to be a part of it uh, and you kind of want to share uh, your story. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing hearing all about that um so do you want to just just as a start do you want to give like a little bit of a of a your kind of psychedelic background your credentials about <sighs> what kind of brought you oh. to this if
1: uh, oh my credentials yeah uh, just a gen just general what's a jo- what's a joke i could make uh, i did a i did a weekend facilitator workshop so mm. i'm a shaman All right. <laughs> uh yeah
0: <laughs> exactly no
1: but uh my yeah, my my credentials, geez. Uh, I have been, I'd say, in in a adult relationship with mushrooms, uh, or or something to this effect. Not to be too judgmental, but um, in a relationship with psilocybin mushrooms, as something that um, that I don't consume uh, irresponsibly, as best as best as I can, uh, since 2010. Uh, which is not that long, but uh, it's been long enough uh, given that it has also been a a central driving, uh, a central point of inquiry in my life around working with psilocybin and working with psychedelics in general on both the sort of deeply personal in my life, you know, or in the life that I'm, I have the opportunity to be living through, Mm -hmm. you know, through the portion that I have been given however long it might be. Um, but also sort of academically, culturally, um, industrially at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know how that counts for credentials. Uh, yeah. I've worked with and explored many other substances, um, and plants, both explicitly psychedelic and ones that are much more subtle, mm. uh, but tend to speak if you listen carefully enough. And, uh, and you know in that i have a a strong inclination towards uh, you know using a psychotherapeutic language much of my research much of my work sort of leans into that language because i find it to be perhaps the most effective or like uh, the most the most effective language to use as a baseline when having public discourse in western you know in, in a western cultural context um, but I also, you know, I'm not opposed to recreational use as well in the in, in circumstances that are, you know, in service to one's well being as best as possible and uh, reducing harms and optimizing benefits as much as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, recently I've actually been thinking a lot about ibogaine mm. because of the, you know, growing. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say say this, but I gotta. I got an an in somewhere in the industry that had mentioned uh, some research that is now uh, concluded Mm. that showed very promising uh, results for Ibogaine in the treatment of uh, post-concussion syndrome, so Mm. various forms of traumatic brain injury, concussion being what's called a minor traumatic brain injury, MTBI. Uh, So I've been thinking about that a lot. that's a bit of a ramble. How's that? No, how's that first
0: start? No, that's good. It just kind of gives us a an idea about, you know, your kind of experiences and kind of how you came to this. Cause I mean, I know that. So I first met you uh, at one of your uh, talks that you did uh, in the UK uh, and because it was mushroom related. Um, I originally thought uh, that you were not solely in that space, but kind of generally mainly in that space. Um, and then I, found, I discovered at a later date um, that you had had ayahuasca experiences, um, and then I just thought it would be great to kind of find out a bit more about how you kind of came into that space. Um, mm. So given that you were largely in the mushroom space. How did the ayahuasca kind of come into your radar? Because I, th- I, 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 think from its much smaller part of your life, and is is that correct to say?
1: Uh, I mean, can ayahuasca be small? Yeah, uh, exactly. Right, but uh, I would say that I, I feel like I had. Um, We'll say ayahuasca traditionally ayahuasca i've had some experiences with um the acacia from australia but that's an aside similar pharmacological uh um basis perhaps but yeah we'll just different that category uh i've had sort of two what i would say two i say three three primary acts in the sort of like the the theatrical play of my relationship with ayahuasca. Perhaps there'll be a sequel, another play down the road with another three acts. But presently I had three acts in the, in my, in my uh, relationship. Uh, the first one being, okay, so, okay, I was in the mushroom space, but here's the thing. You probably know this. If you're in the mushroom space, you're in the plant medicine space. And since I was also in the professional side of plant medicine, not facilitation, but, you know, authoring scholarly public discourse, uh of course i'm not ignorant to these other things, right so the idea of having or experiencing or meeting ayahuasca was definitely on the board for me for quite some time, long before I even started working consciously um, slippy language there, but before I started this the sort of arc of working with psilocybin that led to my professional career, you know i, I still I was in a place of very irresponsible, somewhat reckless use of a number of things, including psychedelics. And I I had ayahuasca up there. You know, I, I use all this incredible, you know, literary work and scholarly work as a justification for my irresponsibility, um, but later became the basis upon which I made, you know, more sort of responsible assessments and decisions. But in that, I, I, I actually met, um, oh, what's his name? Dean something uh, from Australia. I was out in living in Australia and I had taken a backpacking trip. No, I was, I was backpacking in Australia, but I'd taken a hitchhiking trip from Brisbane uh, and I ended up all the way up to Cairns. It was a cool adventure, but I had explicitly left from Brisbane to go to this crafts market, this famous crafts market in this I think they called it the Rainbow region. And it was like a I don't know, like a like a market, obviously. I said crafts market, and as I was walking around, I come up to this guy. I can't remember what else he was selling, like foods maybe, or like oils or soaps. But then also on the side, he had this DVD box set of Shamans of the Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if you saw this, but as far as I understand, Shamans of the Amazon is uh, is like one of the one of the uh, sort of per- one of the most prominent early documentaries about ayahuasca, hmm. if not maybe the prominent early documentary about ayahuasca. And, uh, I bought it from him cause I was all about that at the time, not about what it was actually going to ask of me, but theoretically uh, the idea of going really far out and yeah. DMT and et cetera. And that sort of, that sparked my interest. And, you know, actually the, I believe the last recorded interview with Terrence McKenna was in that, uh, oh, documentary yeah. and the last recorded interview with Terrence McKenna before he died was on behalf of this or with this documentary filmmaker so that's at the stage and then a handful of years later my you know I'm deep into my professional life this whole other I, I think I was uh, I was I had already written Decomposing the Shadow my first book I'd already done a tour about it and I got this synchronistic series of events that connected me with a an ayahuasca group in um In Alberta and I drank for the first time there over two nights supposed to be three had a you know in hindsight it's almost embarrassing what a typical uh, experience I had Um, but I you know I first night I was like this is the most amazing thing ever I want to be a shaman next night this is all demons these are all you know ayahuasca is a parasitic entity This is a cult. The shaman is like a soldier for this demon from a, Mm -hmm. (laughs) from this demon trying to harvest our pain and pleasure for its own malevolent purposes. Uh, And then I left, like I tried to leave unsuccessfully. I don't know why it was that they managed that that it was set up as such that I managed to get myself outside and brought myself back in before anyone even noticed I was gone. Mm -hmm. But that's an aside. Um, That left me with a pretty dark story in the long run, me deciding that, oh, well, it's not this beautiful thing, this, this specific, um, almost, uh, this, I, this idealized angelic idealized figure, but nor is it this parasitic, you know, demon entity. Mm. In fact, I, I don't really know what it is, but it's neither of these things. It might not be anything in particular. I don't know. And I ended up with a story. I did this thing called psychedelic story time. And I told the story of my my journey and my encounter with ayahuasca. And at the end it was like it was mostly to the effect of saying, like, look, I don't actually know. Like now in hindsight, I know that neither of the things I experienced are true. Not not as far as it was true outside of it being internally true acutely during the experience. And um and uh, yeah, so I, I, I gave these talks. I gave two of them, uh, one of which uh, apparently made me quite infamous on the west coast of Canada because people were not happy with me describing ayahuasca as a parasitic plant entity and trying to deconstruct what I consider to be a, a cult-like um, – a, a cult around this sort of – this uh, this deity figure mm. this basically making them making ayahuasca this sort of like jesus messiah of our, our modern time or something to this effect they didn't i, I did not make friends on the yeah. west coast with that story <laughs> um, and then i told it again at a festival called astral harvest and this is a long way around so you got me on the show now i'm going in yeah you could. So hopefully you don't have too many more questions because this, <laughs> this one's going to take a bit um and uh so eventually I, I oh I tell it at this music festival Astro Harvest again very impactful um very impactful uh, storytelling I had on the backdrop the first backdrop was a pre-recorded track of uh, of the songs from an artist who was a friend of mine named Goopsteppa incredible musician beautiful music and he slowed all his tracks down to like 25% and and like weave them in with each other and the second one I had a friend of mine who was a, also a sidechance DJ and had a a downtempo um, psychedelic bass side project called Mighty Oak and he was my backing for the music and I told this story and afterwards I just felt really something was really wrong like in my body something felt really odd and for whatever reason a friend of mine walked up he's like hey man do you want some mushrooms or at a music festival and normally I would, I would really have if I were to take some mushrooms at a music festival it would be a very small dose because I get people like the party on it and people have a good time I don't understand how that's possible Mm -hmm. personally, um, past a certain dose. But in this particular instance, I just said, yeah. And I just put like a handful in my face. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, about 45 minutes after that, I was like, oh, that was a mistake. Oh no. Okay. (laughs) Back to camp. Where's the hammock? And I went and had this realization where I was like, at first I was like, why did I do this to myself? And at some point the mushrooms were like, you did it because this is what you needed. You didn't know that we were stepping in to make sure that you got what you needed or something to this effect. And I realized how much, you know, by telling that story as much as it ended with this um, with this neutrality, positively inclined neutrality, I was still doing this thing that I don't think is appropriate, which is something to the effect of like somebody having a bummer experience or one or two experiences and then going around telling their story as if they're an expert. I didn't present myself as an expert, but that's not going to stop people from putting me in that category, anyways, because I'm the one at the front of the stage. Yeah. So I realized, like, oh, I I left myself open in a way. I like opened myself to a to like a lot of darkness to tell this story. And I wasn't containing it properly. And its impact was not the generative impact I thought it was going to have um, on myself and theoretically on the world. And I, in that experience with the mushrooms, it was something to the effect of um well if i'm gonna if i'm ever gonna tell this story again i need to drink ayahuasca again and ideally in the amazon this time and within 3 days of that i didn't think about it at all within 3 days i got contacted by somebody asking me if i wanted to come to the amazon to attend this ayahuasca retreat center and give a talk about mushrooms because they were going to do mushrooms as a part of it and um and i and i was like well what's the date and the date was the exact like two week period that I had completely open in my summer touring schedule and then that same day I had um, I had a contract with a company at some point for promotion of something and I got contacted from them and said oh yeah uh, so we've tallied your payment we'll send it to you and it was the exact amount necessary to buy a ticket to go to and from the Amazon mm. for this for this event and I was like "Wow, well, that's pretty bloody perfect so here we go yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the story really short now mm. Okay, that's act one act two uh, includes two different retreat centers back to back in the middle of it I nearly died from a medical blood sugar related emergency uh, which I playfully but with a, a personal uh, depth called the pineapple incident uh, and on the other side of that I was a pretty wrecked person like it i i it pushed me into the part of my career that had me to start in my personal journey to start figuring out so what is post traumatic stress disorder and how does that influence us and what's the role psychedelics play in this and cuz i didn't know up until that point and i knew now um the third act was getting to a place where i was ready to drink ayahuasca again i drank it twice uh over the course of 5 days at a at a sort of intensive trauma healing like drinking ayahuasca using what was it called group facilitated somatic relational therapy for the treatment of like complex post traumatic stress disorder with ayahuasca mm. and i drank twice over the course of this 5 day thing and after the first that one i was like a different person like even people were saying like you look like a different person something changed in me And that one after that was grueling, so difficult and so scary and also ridiculous to tell the story later because I absolutely needed to take off of my clothes and like all these things. Again, kind of embarrassing to know Mm. that I was I was one of those typical, you know, early, early in my sort of drinking career Mm. of ayahuasca doing these stereotypical things. Um, But on the other side of that, something had shifted and it was like it took me to the other side. And if I look back, it's like act one was sort of um, enthusiasm and naivete resulting in delusion and pain. The the second act was about sort of a positively inclined um, neutrality that saw it as a professional and personal psychonautic exploration, which resulted in pain, mm. <laughs> trauma and pain. You know, and part of that trauma being the sort of professional enthusiasm being wrapped up in this, I got something to prove. And the third act being something to the effect of, well, let's reassess all of that and set the stage for something new on the other side, which very much set the stage for something new on the other side. And um, much of the traumatic things that happened or that I was, the, the symptoms of trauma I was suffering, PTSD as a consequence of that act two like went over the edge, I guess it like pushed me over the edge in act three to a place where now I can actually do the healing. And I have in many ways and it was, it was very beautiful. So, I mean, that's my, that's my, at first very, very dense. And in the last two, somewhat uh, superficial uh, story for my uh, journey with ayahuasca thus far. Okay. <laughs>
0: I was kind of hoping that we would uh, have a little intro to it and then we would talk about some of those experiences in a little more uh, detail as we kind of went through. Um, in, nope,
1: nope. Is it? <laughs> Just like ayahuasca, it's not what you think it's going to be, it's exactly. what it wants to be. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I mean from from your, I mean do you find that your experiences now are so personal to you that you don't go too much into that detail. Or are you also saying from what you've just, what you kind of also said was that you were going into too much detail before, as in like, I'm had all this experience and I'm sharing and it's coming across as the expert and you were kind of taught a lesson because of that. Is is that what you were saying?
1: You know, whether or not I was taught a lesson. Yeah. Um, or taught myself a lesson, or uh, was put in a situation where lessons were to be had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. I do I do have a tendency to ascribe a kind of agency to these types of events that feel like an agent doing a thing with intention, such as being taught a lesson by something. Um, but at the very least, when I look back on it, I see that there was a lot of learning to be had and some hard lessons and and it was hard lessons that uh that I was trying to learn
0: mm. yeah. so you say, the first act was the two sessions in alberta which was conflicting uh not conflicting but completely contra- contrasting experiences um yeah. and then you went away and then you were you saying that the second act was down in the Amazon where something traumatic happened which caused so that was act two and that was was were you saying that that was as a result of some ceremonies or was that something completely separate
1: uh it was a result of me having a blood sugar like a blood sugar event I have a low blood sugar okay. like a you know, so it was a uh, consequence. You could, it's the consequence of eating a very big slice of brand fresh, freshly cut pineapple mm. after not having any sugar for a month and spending the last six hours not drinking any water and vomiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the result was a very extreme incident where, thankfully. I did not land on my back because I would have asphyxiated on my own vomit and died. Mm. Um, so, and then it's also possible that other things could have happened, but that's the most literal, like, yeah, I could have died. It was a medical emergency. Um, and that was very, and I was still, and I was still coming out of ceremony. Like the ceremony was over, but I was still in the, in the, in the medicine. So it was very terrifying. And, uh, instead of, going home. Instead of staying with the group I was with, I could have went with them to Machu Picchu. I could have had the San Pedro, which was the next step of that journey if I stayed with them, or I could have, you know, just gone home. There's a, a lot of things I could have done. But because I had something to prove, what I actually did was get was get dropped off the day after that on the middle of the highway between N- Nauta and uh Iquitos to hike for another 40 minutes into the jungle to go on another ayahuasca retreat, Mm -hmm. which was much more, I wouldn't call it spartan, but much more spartan than the one I was just in, especially since the one I was in beforehand was very social, where this one was very much inclined towards being in a tambo and being isolated. So although none of those experiences were, you know, especially traumatic, they you know, getting broken down more and more and more, and continuing to go deeper and deeper, and deeper was was not, I think, the healthiest or safest choice, um, and I, and I, and a lot of that had to do with, I realized, you know, feeling like I had something to prove to myself, or maybe prove to others, because here I am, this uh, person talking about psychedelics. I've written these books, and I'm doing these public presentations, and. You know, so on and so forth. Or maybe it's related explicitly to that insight that I had with the mushrooms around like, hey, if you're going to talk about this, then you got to know what it is. But I felt like I had to keep going. I had to go big. I had to go deep. And what I didn't realize was the potential consequences of that and what it would ask of me afterwards and the impact it would have in my life um, doing something so extreme. Yeah.
0: When, when was Act 3?
1: Do you recall? It was about two years after Act Two. Yeah. Which was uh when was Act Two? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh it was twenty fourteen, twenty sixteen, and twenty eighteen? Or maybe it was like twenty fourteen, twenty sixteen, twenty yeah, twenty eighteen, maybe. Okay, let's if we can just so the first
0: um talk that you did, which I bet you at was August 2018? Was that before or after your Act Three? Do you think? Do you know, Do you remember? I'm kind of going somewhere with this a little bit.
1: Yeah, I don't. You know, I I don't explicitly remember, but I th- think it would have been before. I think it would have been before, because I'm pretty sure that event in uh BC was in uh late August or mid-August.
0: Yeah. Cause our Yeah. Cool. It's only because in that when I came to your retreat sorry, not your retreat. When I came to your talk, um it was yeah. I was only two or three months into discovering all about psychedelics and ayahuasca and about a few weeks beforehand I'd booked my retreat at Sultara uh, which was going to be in the November and I came along to the to the sessions and like yeah I'm like yeah I'm going to be going and doing this uh, retreat and I'm really cool and And I'm going to tell everyone and they're all going to think I'm the man. And, and then I came up to you with your books and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go do this retreat. And I was just expecting this, like, Hey, you're the man. We're all, we're all the men together. And then you, I just remember this look you gave me. And I was just like, Oh, that wasn't the look I was expecting. That wasn't the, Hey, we're all the men together. And I just remember you you just kind of looked sort of like, Okay, you're going to go and do this thing. Um, and it kind of the stories that you're telling uh, is mm. is more in line with going, oh, OK, because one of my questions I was going to ask you was, what do you think when some young naive uh, person comes up to you and sit to say, hey, I'm I'm booked on my first ayahuasca retreat and thinking that it's all going to be high fives and everything. Because I felt like, I, you know, when you go to, to high-five someone and they don't high-five back, and then you're just like, oh, okay, maybe there's something more to this than a, than just thinking that you're the man. Um,
1: mm. It's interesting. I, I, I think I actually have memory of that now, that you're bringing it up. Um, do you remember if I said anything to you? You did
0: say something. I can't remember the specifics, but I remember it kind of being a bit like, the the only takeaway from it was that I felt that it was like, you know, that kind of you, whether you knew something that I didn't, but also knowing the other side that I didn't, uh, and mm. me kind of probably clo- me probably going into a little bit of denial, of not wanting to accept that there was going to be more to this, um, mm-hmm. to to kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay in that kind of, uh, yeah, no. You didn't think you you didn't think you naive at the time. Um, But yeah, it was it was more a case of going, oh, okay." we didn't we didn't high five about it. But I I can see, you know, this is the reason why I wanted to do this podcast in the beginning, because it's not about high fiving. It's about Mm -hmm. it's about let's bring our stories together, especially for people like me who are going, yeah, I want to go away and do this. And it's like, well. What can you actually hear about? There's there's so many sales pitches about it. It's not going to sell any retreats if they tell you too much about what the reality could actually be. I just remember the episodes with Dennis McKenna and a few others that would just do this whole like, oh, you go down and you have these transformative experiences and they go, oh, but you have to do the work and stuff, but you've, and then, but you're like, that doesn't tell you anything really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's always like, oh, what's, ayahuasca is a bit different than that.
1: It's, you know, it's, it's very interesting and somewhat confronting in a not negative way to hear years later about the impact that uh, my unconscious you know, autonomic reactions to a statement or sort of, uh, not just the statement, but what you brought to that moment and was conveyed through your statement and the impact that it had on you is, uh, is, yeah, it's not, I don't feel happy about it. Uh, but it's not negative, but it is kind of confronting. And I think that goes back to what I was saying about giving those talks of uh, the psychedelic story time and realizing that, yeah, I'm ending on positive, neutral, and i'm not presenting myself as being an expert but that doesn't mean that you know there's going to be um uh unknown unknowns in my consequence like this is something that i have i feel like i have gotten a lot of value from the work of um an elder and a teacher in my life although he's not in my life. I couldn't like call him up and be like, Hey, what's up, man? You want to go for tea. Um, he's more like a figure, you know, a professional figure in, in, in a, in the world that I hold in this role. Uh, his name is Steven Jenkinson and he, and he had this sort of like one of his things is, is something to the effect of like, you are a person of consequence, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, positive and negative, known and unknown, you are a person of consequence. And to be, awake is to be sort of alert to your consequence and to the potentials or not potentials uh, to um, the fact that many of those consequences are unintended and many of them are as well are ones that you won't even know about Mm -hmm. um, or you will never see the feedback on and uh, so I'm just thinking about that now as you, uh, as you, as you speak to the, you know, giving me this, this not negative confrontation of feedback on the, uh, uh, the impact, the consequence I had on you in, in this moment. Although if I could go back and I make an idealized representation of myself, that would have happened. And then I would have given some sort of like positive encouragement with a strong shade of caution and, uh, and non-triviality because it's definitely not like a high high five we're all the man yeah. uh kind of kind of energy although i do like to i do like to congratulate people after they have their first lsd session yeah. um but that's after and that's if it goes well yeah.
0: now again so my consequence for my or the things that i've learned about myself is yeah i mean yeah i definitely acknowledge the consequence that i have for the things that I say, and that's been a big wake-up call in my learning. And I guess I told that story to you about that encounter because it's sim- it's symbolic to me, but I don't see it in any way negative. Um, mm-hmm. And when you were saying what you were saying, I was a little bit like, oh, I hope I haven't offended you um, mm-hmm. by saying that. But it's more just, like I said, I think it's, If anything, I think it's a kind of special moment on my journey and the way I take it is, is like, it's it's just acknowledging the, the fact that you have to see outside, I guess you have to see outside of your own self to realize that things aren't necessarily how you play them out to be given you know one of the big things i've learned over this whole journey is that however you play things out in your own mental movies is not relevant to a reality of something that's happening so my encounter with you was like me playing my mental memory my mental movies that this is all going to be great and i'm going to have a great time and i'm going to be you know fantasizing about how transformed i'm going to be um and just in that very small instant, realizing that it's not as simple as that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's an important thing. Um, My story is a completely different thing. And I'm kind of fortunate I never had any of the big, massive, traumatic experience or something in ceremony, because for some reason I make that, I almost feel like it's harder to deal with the stuff in ceremony if it can blow up into, you know, in unimaginable proportions and stuff, I never had that. Um, but then at the same time, I put myself through hell, uh, outside of ceremony, uh, in normal life. So to a certain extent, I have also thought you put yourself through so much hell outside of ceremony, you should be able to deal with anything in ceremony. Um,
1: <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> no, exactly,
0: <laughs> but I guess it's it's taking that and it's and it's it's massively uh, amplifying it. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So, if if I make if if I may uh, make a, a couple comments, there. One, um, just think about like how. Uh, okay, one is that I, I looking back, I feel pretty confident to say that the 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 sociocultural and physical context, the setting that I experienced my ayahuasca experiences that were challenging definitely played a role in me having these sort of uh, at first negative outcomes. Now I can look back and be like, oh, okay, that whole journey, that whole theatrical play, all three acts together added up to wow, what a enriching sort of element, how enriching that has been to my life. It just took f- five, five years of grueling, uh suffering to get there, or something to this effect. Um but really the biggest, the I'd say the biggest contributor to why things were so difficult for me um, had to do with a kind of like self-obsessed, egotistical expectation for what ayahuasca was going to do for me what ayahuasca was going to mean for me what role ayahuasca played in my career and in my journey and all these things it's not to say that those things aren't relevant but that you know seems as though in hindsight i had a lot of that that needed to get broken down and uh, it was strong enough to put up enough of a fight that it messed with my life for a long time um and so I want to say that cuz I hear like again like list, having people listen in maybe for the first time they're like uh-oh it could be so dark. I was like, well yeah, but also in that was some incredible moments of beauty, some interesting moments of curiosity, some, you know, over time a real sort of uh, um opportunity to see how committed I can be to, you know, like working through my challenges and and owning my experiences. So I just I think I wanted to say that. The other thing around like you being like, oh, I hope he's not offended. (laughs) Like the I would be speaking of stereotypes, I would be the most stereotypical snowflake millennial to be offended that you told me that I said a thing to you that had a had an impact that was uncomfortable. That's just some serious like self-obsession there. It's like oh you ha you said this thing to me and it had this impact oh, I'm so offended <laughs> like <laughs> it's like so much of what's wrong with hmm. so much of what's wrong with uh part part of part of the ongoing sort of cultural cu- cultural discourse on uh, call out um uh part of no, not all yeah. of it uh and what was the last thing uh something else there all around your story you know that you said that you have this movie and it's said so something like, well, it's not actually relevant. I, you know, I, I do think it's relevant. I think it's absolutely relevant, you know, but it's not necessarily accurate to what's really happening outside of you, right? But um, it's relevant, especially, too, in the hindsight of, of looking back now with a different view on things, how much that movie, that story, you know, influenced your, your perceptions, your thoughts, and your behaviors um, in whatever scenario was, you know, sort of, justifying those movies and likely how those actions, thoughts, and behaviors um contributed to the ongoing sort of like reinforcing of that uh, of the narrative behind that movie. Yeah, thank you, cause
0: the word accurate is perfect. It's the correct word that I should have used. Um and It's a word. Yeah. It it it's it shows that actually that word accurate is actually what I meant. Uh mm. Uh, but I use. You mean accurate was the accurate word? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talk about, I, I kind of over obsess about certain things, getting things right. Um, I also liked what you said about, um, the kind of egotistical, uh, almost obsession about what ayahuasca meant was and what it was going to mean for you. Um, cause I know I've been wrapped up. And that, for four and a half years since I, well, I guess it's now coming up for five years since I found out about it because I know that my first decision to go was just like, oh, um, and I think it was fairly pure to just go. Yep, yeah, my intention is to say I've heard about this now. I feel like I want to go and find out what this is. Involved in finding out what that is, then starts to be like playing these mental movies about how it's going to play out and how it's going to what it's going to mean for you and the impact it's going to have in a positive way because everything is played out that it has to all feel good it has to be so i was i realized i felt like i was going to be naive that i was going to be strong enough that i was going to go into the experience and have a beautiful experience because that is the definition of success and you weren't Mm -hmm. going to have any problems and the whole unraveling and the struggles and stuff is, what I've since learned, is like not going with the flow. And if it's going down a different road, uh, you're like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be going over there, which is like dragging you over in the other direction. And fighting that, I mean, it's it's the re- there's two things. There's realization of it while still struggling. And that's step one, as far as I see it step 2 is moving that realization to be in acceptance uh with it uh, which acceptance is one of the key words uh, in it all but um yeah it's funny because i had a i had an aborted retreat in november last year so after we spoke to you, after we spoke in september um shortly after that an opportunity came up and I was really like, oh, I've been wanting to do this. And if all these things felt like they were aligning and I I actually went all out to to ensure that I got a place. And then as soon as I was given the place, I panicked. And then I was mm. trying to go. I was trying to calm myself down so that I would still go ahead with it whilst like being completely all over the shop. And I realized that I wasn't ready um, for it um so it's it's interesting to kind of go oh this is what i've wanted for four years is to be in a position to go again um i think even in our last conversation or one of the previous conversations i was constantly talking about going back again and they were just kind of saying something like you know why do you feel like you need to go back um and in a way it's just kind of like well actually i don't know really um Mm. um but funnily enough i feel like i actually went through so much in that struggle to try and decide whether to go or not I feel like I actually had my own ceremony as such um, and it came to my own realizations a lot about it even to the extent that after I bailed on that I actually kind of almost felt like I let my ayahuasca obsession go a bit which I just thought I'm going to just let this go, um, and and not and go. May, maybe I'm not going to go again. But that's all this kind of obsession about still playing out. this still running back into this loop of going. Oh, I've got, I've got to go on another one. There's got to be this next stage. But yeah, that's kind
1: of doesn't really matter if it happens or not. Um, this uh this comment that you made where it was like, well, why do you feel like you have to go back? Like, well, I don't actually know. I mean, when, when we ask ourselves that questions, all of a sudden, that's when we get a sense of like, what's driving these choices. So when I said so many of my, I actually wrote an essay about that first ayahuasca experience called ayahuasca and I, which is available on my website. I don't know if uh, you have a linking capacities on whatever pod, pod process you got going yep, on there, but, I'll uh, do that. um, but, uh, yeah is, is you know part of it was you know part of it was uh, you know the ayahuasca reflecting back what was happening and me maybe misunderstanding what it was trying to say. Um, but also part of it was not the ayahuasca so much. It's not that it the ayahuasca did this to me because I'm egotistical. It was more like I did this to myself. Because I had something driving my choices and my behaviors around the consumption of ayahuasca that kept putting me in situations where um, it was it was such that ayahuasca would you know, bring these things into my experience or that my experience would be such with ayahuasca. Um, and, and when you were like, I feel like I need to go back. Well, why do you feel like you need to go back? Well, I don't actually know. You know, if I look at the first time I did it, it was like, yeah, because I'm a professional, I'm going to have this crazy journey and like I'm a psychonaut and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, wow, I'm going to be a shaman and blah, blah, blah. And then the ayahuasca being like, ha, 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 (laughs) you know, uh, it's, you know, showing all these demons, which is another way of putting it is like maybe I just didn't like my experience. And it was a lot easier to make it about the shamans being evil you know, like soldiers for a parasitic demon, than it was for me to recognize like I'm in over my head and I'm scared and I don't like this. Um you know, the end of that basically revolving out to everything that I once believed in, all my spirituality, all my love in the light stuff, all of these things just being like completely confronted in the ayahuasca just been like, they're all bullshit. This is all bullshit. And me being like, I don't like this. <laughs> I want it to be real. No, it's bullshit. Um or something to this. And then with the second, it was like, again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go back in there. I got to do the thing. You know, like, I'm here as a psychonaut. Let's do it. And when the pineapple thing happened, I was just on cloud nine. You know, in some respect, I think the the facilitators there maybe offering me pineapple wasn't a responsible decision. Given I was not making, I wasn't able to make sober choices because I wasn't uh, sober. Um, but I don't think they even knew about my 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 glycemic health issues. I don't, I don't know if they asked, I don't think they asked, but I don't remember. Um, but ultimately that too, I was like, wow, everything's amazing. Fuck yeah. Give me the pineapple, you know? Um, and then the journey to keep going deeper was like, no, I got something to prove. I signed up for this. I'm here. We got to go. I just got to keep pushing it. That's where the healing is, right? Just keep going deeper, deeper, deeper. That's where the journeys are. And, um, it wasn't until I finally got to this act three Or something to the effect of like, I don't know, and honestly, I'm scared, and I'm kind of desperate, and I'm just asking, please, like, I just need some help. I just, please. And that's just that. That's all that was. It was just like a hope. It was totally no longer baggaged by all this other eco bullshit I was bringing to it. And those were the most positive, explicitly positive experiences I had, even when the second one on that retreat was terrifying. And I had to relive everything that happened with the nearly dying process in order to get to the other side of it and be like, wow, okay, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so why did I bring that up? Um, yeah, something to the effect of like asking ourselves why, you know, like this is important. And asking ourselves not just why, but why is that why? I want to do this thing. Why? Oh, because it looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Okay, well, why does it look like it'll be a lot of fun? Oh, because um, yada yada yada. Okay, well, why is that fun to you? Oh, uh, I because this is this, this. Okay, well, why is it this, this, and this? Mm. And eventually, you get to a place of like actually seeing what is the sort of deeper psychology of the choices that we're making, and then from that point, we could really assess like, does this make sense? Is this in serve? Is this in actually in service to me and to my goals or my sort of like my higher calling? I don't like that terminology necessarily. But um, yeah, so maybe out of this podcast, people will, will bring that kind of inquiry, mm. not like neurotic, you know, don't get too obsessed about it, you know, but bring that deeper question of why.
0: Because it's like, isn't there, this is the deeper question. It's like, isn't there always another why? And is, the, is there the end of the why? Does the why road ever end? And at what point does this? The, this, this is true. Do, this is true. Where does the why come to the point of going? Okay, yeah, this is a leads to a yay or a nay decision because there's nothing you can then say there's nothing definitive about it.
1: But there's there's a there's okay it's true. But you know there's there's also a bedrock. There's like a point at which it becomes clear that it's like oh there's a resonance to a certain realization. There's a certain depth of wise. There's a resonance that's like oh like that's the primary driving force. Okay, so now I could keep unpacking and keep digging as to what this is. There's all these things, but there's there's a there is a sort of point at which there's a yeah like i said there's a sense of resonance with the why that makes makes it more clear enough so that now you have that kind of like data to act rather than just keep the thinking and the deconstruction forever because that doesn't serve anybody any either yeah
0: i mean i definitely think that from it's four four and a half years since i went there's been many times along the line that i've thought i've wanted to go back but then I've also, like I said, I've, I've not gone because I'm like, what? Why do I think it's going to be any different? Because that was one mm-hmm. thing that I always thought. I always thought before, I'm like, I'm going to be great at this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm not done it before. So I don't know what it is. You then go into it and you go, oh, I didn't do it right or whatever. And then you have your troubles afterwards. And then you go, you, get, you come through that and you go, right, I'm going to do it because now I know. And now it's going to be good this time. But then you're just like, you're just doing the same thing as last time. So why do you think it's going to be any different? So a lot of that has made me grounded to go, okay, yeah, I know that it's not right to go. But for me as well, this has just turned into like a four and a half year continual, I guess this is a four and a half year set of whys. Uh And... Mm. A lot of the time i do see that there's more benefit in contemplating the next step and unpacking the next step rather than going because then i'm just like because yeah again it's it's such a difficult thing because you just go you don't know you don't know what's going to come out of it that you're going to have to do this this is what i kind of come back to as well because at the time you feel if you feel like you've had these promises that there's going to be all this transformation during the retreat, and you're going to skip off into the sunset afterwards, and a lot of the time that doesn't happen. So you could come out of a retreat and go, "Oh, not I've wasted my money." But if you've put your expectations on a certain goal, then you're like, and you don't achieve that, then you're kind of like, "Oh, I've I've done, I've had my, I've used up my one chance at that because." to be fair most of us don't have the ability or the finances to just keep going back um and Mm. you can see the downside of trying to pack it into one week
1: i mean that's 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 part of the downside of just the structure of ayahuasca being a thing that you retreat to Mm. you know um, rather than being integrated into your community i just did an interview with uh Hironimo MM from ICERS about their upcoming retreat for non traditional ayahuasca facilitators Mm. or facilitators, ayahuasca facilitators in non traditional contexts. I was actually working on that podcast before we jumped onto this call and like the post production stuff. Um, And, you know, we talked about why non traditional contexts require added structures to protect both the facilitators and the the um, participants because the the sessions themselves don't exist there they exist outside of the cultural context of the facilitators and out of the um and out, out of the traditional cultural context um that they come from and so there's added structures that are necessary for this porting and also i heard you saying a lot of you and i assume that you're talking about your experience not you as a third person i think what you're speaking to is very commonplace and you know, I imagine a lot of people identify with it, but I, I think I want to call that sort of ownership to this, as you're talking about your experience, that you're talking about your own experience and simultaneously, I can relate to it a lot, you know?
0: Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, in, terms of, in terms of integration as well, um, I think See, maybe this is also a synchronicity in itself. That when I was supposed to go away on that retreat, um, it was literally just in the kind of period where the psychedelic integration book by Mark Axiala uh, was just being released for purchase in the UK. Um, and by not going on the retreat, that book pretty much arrived at about the same kind of time. Uh, and I've been reading mm. that uh, diligently for uh since then uh and it's just oh it's it's so amazing. Um especially because I feel like I mean I, I constantly looking back over the last kind of four years and every kind of number of pages and stuff you just kinda just go my God that that happened. That happened pretty much like that. That happened pretty much like that. Uh and it's just it's such an amazing book. Um, and, but it comes back to the whole, like, you're, this is the thing about integration I've always found so woolly is that it's so, it's almost like a buzzword. Um, and you've almost got, you can't be, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, but when Neo is told, you can't be told what the matrix is you must see it for yourself um i know it's such a horribly cliched thing but yet it's, oh it's
1: only cliche because it's common i mean yeah because it, it struck a chord in the yeah. culture for good reason
0: yeah but it's more just like yet yeah, when you truly see what the underlying meaning of that is and you can never yeah, hearing it and understanding it Coming to your own conclusion about something when it really resonates is is something completely different, but like mm. for my experience, reading this book and then looking back at all these small events or. Uh, things that happened over the last four years which you kind of go oh maybe there's something in that maybe there's not you're just in your own head or whatever and then when you see it in paper that somebody has written about integration and it's such a it's such a validating thing to see all these things kind of come together and contemplate the journey that you've been on Um. But then it says, why, why is it validating? <laughs> why, why is that important for it to be validated? Because I must feel validated.
1: Well, I mean, okay, to be fair, it is nice to have things that were previously ambiguous,
0: mm.
1: important but ambiguous, become clear in why they're important and what they mean in your life right? And it, it being validated in that respect. This is, this is helpful the same way. It's helpful when, you know, you're, you're, you're working towards something and then you find out that the thing you're working towards actually, you know, like was accomplished. Or when you're trying to help someone, you know, through a difficult time to the best of your ability and you find out that your, you know, your role was helpful, right? There's this kind of validation that that's nice. It's nice to know, to be like on track to be like, oh yeah, hey, the thing that you were intending to do, it had, it had impact and it, or something to this effect. And also, you know, when when you were talking about this this four-year journey of like, should I go on this retreat? I need to go to the next one, so on and so forth, I, I actually had in my head, I was like, something to the effect of, I don't know, that 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 there's something in integration. And I also want to speak to the fact that my I'm feeling myself cognitively come down real fast here. Um, but, uh, there's, there's something about the, you know, effort to drink ayahuasca again as a solution to having not yet made sense of what the last one was showing to you or, uh, not yet having, uh, brought into some sort of, some sort of clarity or some sort of, um, sort of purchase in your life, what the last one offered you and to or like offered a person um and to think that another journey is is the solution right that there's just one piece missing or something to this effect and sometimes that's the case but oftentimes the case is more so that um that uh that what's missing is a realization not another not another ayahuasca session um, and it sounds to me when you're speaking about this book on integration coming in sh- shortly after you deciding, wait a minute, maybe I should, I'm, I'm just not going to go on this last one. Seems like when you talk about the validation, I, I hear you speaking to something to the effect of being like, Oh, okay. It wasn't necessarily another ayahuasca session I needed. It was another, it was, it was support in making sense of the last one in my life. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm feeling a little self-conscious right now because I, I feel my my cognitive function declining, and I'm not sure I'm not sure where this is going, but I anticipate not good places if it continues. Um, I'd love to come to a close in respect to uh, the sort of wall of my limitations. I don't know if you have one more like explicit question for me you'd like me to address before that or I mean I was starting
0: to wonder anyway whether we were getting to w- whether we would be getting to the end of your you know strength for today um and especially when you said uh, that you felt yourself declining uh, mm-hmm. i was gonna i was gonna offer to say yeah absolutely fine to uh to call it a day um i don't think uh i i- okay here's one you can give as short an answer as you want but
1: I'll will call upon I'll call upon like uh, the last remaining yeah. dregs yeah. Of, of my cognitive function to bring clarity and, and uh, brevity to uh, to this question. Yeah, so it was because you've
0: got experience in the mushroom space and in the ayahuasca space, and they're both uh, considered you know plant spirits. Um, I was just interested on your thoughts about the two of them and them both being plant spirits similarities and differences but i guess that's potentially too big of a question but uh, in in short then what would your thoughts be on the kind of similarities and do you see them as completely separate or do you see them as intertwining
1: um well i would i would say that i think that there's a cultural assumption around ayahuasca being this like really intense like this like you're doing the deep work with ayahuasca. And I think my experience checks out, yep, <laughs> you know, uh something like that. But that there's this other assumption perhaps is shifting now that psilocybin doesn't offer that. Like that the, the ayahuasca is like a step past psilocybin uh mushrooms. And to a certain respect, that's true. Um, Mushrooms in their dosing and in the experience can be much more forgiving um, in the sense of like how much space you have to not be just completely overtaken by the experience. But mushrooms can offer something on par, certainly. Um, So... In that respect, I'd say there's similarities and differences. The actual sort of nuances, I don't know, honestly, i I've drank ayahuasca thirteen times. In that respect, I could speak in depth with confidence about my experience and about what happened or like its impact, its meaning. I can, as a professional, as a scholar in the field, you know, um, I can speak with relative confidence about certain aspects of ayahuasca pharmacologically some different elements of its place in culture now modern culture traditional culture not much but i have a certain sort of bandwidth you know within which i can speak confidently but there's a certain point at which i'm out of my league and i'm out of my field you know and to try to to try to speak to the differences and the similarities is really to speak as though I have a greater understanding or a greater sense of, of ayahuasca as a plant spirit than I actually do. And as as I made very clear earlier, you know, it was the misunderstanding of the, the, the misperception that I knew more than I actually did. Uh, that got me into trouble in the last time, <laughs> the last few times. So I think I'll I think I'll think leave it there. I mean, if, if listeners want to have a clear, like a deeper sense of how I look at mushrooms or how I hold the larger wonderings around um, psychedelic plants as well as psychedelic medicines and their sort of place in society, their place in my life, they can tune into my, you know, Hundreds of hours of, of content on the internet or just search random queries that they think I might they might want to hear me talk about on my website or something to this effect um, but uh so I, so as such I will leave the question there sure. um, respectfully
0: no problem I, and as you were saying it all of a sudden I was realizing this is coming full circle to the beginning uh, where you were saying about how you 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 learnt about not being uh, the expert about it. Um, but I was just asking you from your own personal experience, as opposed to it being, yeah, it yeah. Being, a, a being an, an expert view, but, uh, I'll let, I'll let you go and, and have a, have a rest. I hope that, uh, you can, uh, that it doesn't, uh, wh- whack you out too much, uh, having done this uh, and have a good, have a good rest and hope you, hope you spring back, uh, quickly. If there are any specific, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to share a link to your podcast and your website and stuff. If there's any other specific links that you would like me to share uh, in the notes, then just email me and I'll put that in as well. But I really want, I really appreciate you continually wanting to do this. Um, and I really appreciate your time. appreciate your effort. Uh, And yeah, it's been great conversation. So, thank you so much for thank you so much for showing up.
1: I was gonna say I I really appreciate you uh, you're staying on track with me to to have me, and um, it feels like a not just an interesting podcast interview. Um, I haven't been asked in depth about ayahuasca in this way um, elsewhere, but also too the what I said about this interesting sort of circle back to the consequences that you know the unintended. And un- unconscious consequences uh, of of how I showed up in what was, you know, for me at the time, it was a very, a very common interaction. You know, I at that I think in that that year alone, I must have signed books for 100 people, 200 people. Right. But to have it circle back and land with this kind of meaning um, and to hear how it landed with meaning for you feels like a valuable experience for me. And hey, look at this. Uh, you know, contained now as a digital artifact yeah. for however long digital artifacts are accessible. Um, and also too, I'd like to, I'd like to say just for the listeners, instead of having to look at the notes, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at James W. Gesso, um, links, you can listen to my podcast basically anywhere. Um, I'd love for you to check out my website, James I put a lot of time into writing blog entries and designing it. It's all a one, one person operation. um, and uh, if you want to stay up to date and uh, with me and the projects that I'm working on um, or uh, just like the work that I'm doing, you can sign up for my email newsletter. It's a monthly digest of what I've been doing over the last month um, and then periodically personal updates so I don't spam your inbox. But uh, who knows with algorithms and platforms and which platforms are people are on and so on and so forth it's just so nuanced but if you sign up for my email newsletter you can pretty much confidently assume that you will hear from me once a month um and you won't have to worry about whether or not the algorithms uh put my recent upload in your in your in your feed sure great thanks so much and uh have
0: a great rest of your day Uh, i'll be getting ready for bed soon so
1: (laughs) (laughs) well have a good sleep and uh thank you again no problem catch you later cheers
0: Thanks for making it through to the end. I really hope you enjoyed the content and managed to get something out of it. Remember, if you liked it, I'd love it if you clicked follow to be notified of future episodes. And also, it would be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. Hope to see you again.